0: Blessed be the Lord my strength, who teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight, my hope and my fortress, my castle and deliverer, my defender in whom I trust, who subdueth my people that is under me. Lord, what is man that thou hast such respect under him, or the son of man that thou so regardest him? Man is like a thing of naught. His time passeth away like a shadow. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth thy lightning, and tear them. Shoot out thy arrows, and consume them. Send down thy hand from above. Deliver me, and take me out of the great waters, from the hand of strangers whose mouth talketh of vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of wickedness. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, and sing praises unto thee upon a ten-stringed lute. Thou hast given victory unto kings, and hast delivered David thy servant from the peril of the sword. Save me and deliver me from the hand of strange children, whose mouth talketh of vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of iniquity, that our sons may grow up as the young plants, and that our daughters may be as the polished corners of the temple, that our garners may be full and plenteous with all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no decay, no leading into captivity, and no complaining in our streets. Happy yeah. are the people that are in such a case. Yea, blessed are the people who have the Lord for their God. Glory the be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Amen. Here beginneth the twenty-first chapter of the second book of Samuel. Then there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is for Saul and for his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. And the king called the Gibeonites and said unto them, Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the children of Israel had sworn unto them, and Saul sought to slay them in his zeal to the children of Israel and Judah. Wherefore David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make the atonement, that he may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said unto him, We will have no silver nor gold of Saul, nor of his house, neither for us shalt thou kill any man in Israel. And he said, What ye shall say, that will I do for you. And they answered the king, The man that consumed us and that devised against us that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the coasts of Israel. Let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us, and we will hang them up unto the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord did choose. And the king said, I will give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. But the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, whom she bare unto Saul, Armoni and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Meholothite. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord. And they fell all seven together, and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days in the beginning of barley harvest. And Rizpah, the daughter of Aiya, took sackcloth and spread it for her upon the rock from the beginning of harvest until water dropped upon them out of heaven and suffered neither the birds or the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. And it was told David what Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, the concubine of Saul, had done. And David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the man of Jabesh-Gilead, which had stolen them from the street of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hanged them when the Philistines had slain Saul and Gilboa. And he brought them up from thence, the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son, and they gathered the bones of them that were hanged. And the bones of Saul and Jonathan his son buried they in the country of Benjamin in Zelah, in the sepulcher of Kish his father. And they performed all that the king commanded. And after that God was entreated for the land. Moreover, The Philistines had yet war again with Israel, and David went down at his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. And Ishnai Benob, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, succored him, and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. And it came to pass after this, that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai the Hushathite slew Sath, which was of the sons of the giant. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, The son of Ja'ari-uragim, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet a battle in Gath, where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers, and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number, and he also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath, and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Here the lesson. Please join me with Heday on page six. We and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Almighty God, in whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name, Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God spake these words and say, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have none other gods but Jesus. The Lord hath mercy upon us, and in our hearts to keep this law. Thou shalt not make to thyself any created image, for the likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or in the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down to them, nor worship them. For I, the Lord, states, and to all in authority, both wisdom and strength, to know and to do thy will. Fill them with the love of truth and righteousness, and make them ever mindful of their calling to serve this people in thy fear. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end.
1: Amen.
0: The God's Epistle and Gospel appointed for the seventh Sunday after Trinity. As found beginning on page 173 of the Book of Common Prayer. Let us pray. Lord of all power and might, who art the author and giver of all good things, wrap in our hearts the love of thy name, increase in us true religion, nourish us with all goodness, and of thy great mercy keep us in the same. Through Jesus Christ our Lord.
2: Amen.
1: The epistle is written in the sixth chapter of Romans, beginning at the 19th verse. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then into those things thereof? Wherefore ye are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness. And the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here endeth the epistle. Stand. Holy
0: Gospel gospel is written in the eighth chapter of St. Mark, beginning at these first verse. In those days. all oh. had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets, and they had eaten for about four thousand, and he sent them away. This join me in the Nicene Creed on page 246. by whom all things were made, who for us man and for our salvation came Amen. down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, and was, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets, I believe one Catholic and Apostolic Church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please join me in the metrical Psalm 146, found in your bulletin insert. Thank God's boldest champion a man chosen to bring the truth of God's righteous love and justice to the world but here in the latter part of chapter 6 the Apostle Paul wants us to make sure he is his audience that his entire audience of now and forever fully understands their new status as men and women dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That glorious announcement of our true freedom in Christ brings with it all the risks and uncertainties which any freedom brings. And so the Apostle reaches for a way to describe total dependence, total belonging, and total allegiance, which is the only logical and loving response to a new life breathed into the hearts and souls and bodies of God's everlasting children grace. The imperfect analogy, one he kind of apologizes for in a way, that analogy he brings forward is this. He writes, Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to that form of doctrine which was delivered to you and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." Romans chapter 6, verses 17 through 18. This picture of the human person tends to make us feel very uncomfortable because it is both unflattering and distressingly uncomplicated. It is terribly unflattering to be described as a degraded slave of sin and evil. The sin and evil which ravages our world and our souls. Human hearts are deeply offended by this rather obvious observation, shooting back something like, How dare Paul? How dare he point at my addiction to sex or power or money and call it slavery? I can quit any time I want. But what's even worse than having a highlight reel of our greatest failures played before our eyes and hearts, leaving no doubt in our minds that what we are serving when we sin, Paul reminds us that there are only two sides in this war. He reminds us that we are not super complex enigmas struggling impossibly to know what's right and wrong from our own unique experiences. We aren't a people submerged in a dark gray world where black can be white one day and white be black the next. That is not our situation, no. We know what it means to present our arms and legs, eyes and hearts as slaves to impurity and lawlessness. We can close our eyes and pretend it isn't true. We can even imagine that sin isn't that bad. But God won't let us get away with ignorantly serving an abusive master to whom we no longer must grovel and beg. And so, let's put some flesh in the bones of St. Paul's outline. What does the personified evil he describes look like today. What does that master look like? Well, the Wall Street Journal had a heartbreaking profile of the Kenyan National Bomb Squad, right? They defuse bombs. Most of them are actually interesting anglers. And they are tasked with carefully disarming the bombs. Uh, Boko Haram straps on innocent children or dropping them off in the middle of their home villages. Sometimes, the terrorists wait in a nearby building for the bomb disposal team to approach before detonating this device. Sometimes, the abused children have been so thoroughly brainwashed by a religion of destruction and death that they blow themselves up, taking with them the poor men just trying to save them. There is a perfect genius to the evil which drives men to grab children from playgrounds and turn them into slaves of terror and death. What St. Paul is telling us today is that the evil I just described, an evil which makes us shudder in our very souls, that evil is simply a manifestation of the same evil which reigns in the hearts of the damned. The evil which calls out to God's people, begging us to throw away our new lives for the life which only ends in terror and death. Death. Before we move on in Paul's argument, let's define a term he uses a lot in chapter 6. Death death. First of all, we are all going to die. It's something we should just say basically every day. There was an old habit of the saints to have a skull on their desks when they were writing things. I sometimes we hear this in Latin, memento mori. Remember your death. Remember you're going to die. And that might be morbid if we didn't trust in the deliverer from death, but it's actually a very important thing then and now. So we're all going to die. Right? We've got that. That's good to remember. Not to be afraid of, but to remember. After all, it really doesn't matter. Again, and this is a weird part of our world, even if you do a lot of push-ups, right, you're still going to die. Even if you eat red meat or don't eat red meat, you're still going to die. It doesn't matter how much money you've made or whether you've worked a certain number of hours, you are going to die. And when we do, We we will face the judge who cares infinitely more about our union with Christ than about all the temporary things we're told we have to worry about right now. It is this meeting between creator and creature which concerns St. Paul in today's text. The death he is describing is God's final judgment of eternal condemnation a second death, the final death. Mere creatures can kill you in this life, but it is only the perfect judge of good and evil who will look at the stories of our lives and either see the imprint of Christ and eternal life or the imprint of sin and eternal death. Our biggest threat then is not that we will be tempted one day to join Boko Haram or even be murdered by some terrible terrorist organization or thief or whatever. No, the greatest threat to our future lives, our eternal lives, the new heaven and new earth, is failing to recognize how the evil which motivates Boko Haram to sin is the same evil which motivates us to sin. Remember, Boko Haram wake up every day and think they're the good guys. And because they think they're the good guys, they believe this special status entitles them to make their own rules, including waging unrestricted warfare against children in order to realize some truest possible human life. Authenticity, whatever that means, as people say in our world. They are slaves to a kind of perverse freedom. A freedom, St. Paul describes today as a freedom from righteousness. A freedom from righteousness. And that's a freedom whose purpose is always death. What's terrifying about that is that this same freedom from righteousness is actually what most Americans mean when they use the word freedom. Here, we can observe the true genius of our great enemy. We can see how Satan has manipulated humanity into not recognizing the horrible connections between an African death cult which takes Kenyan children and weaponizes them against Christianity, and a Western culture which takes American children and weaponizes them to be materialistic, all-consuming nihilists who hate Christianity. Take a moment. Sit back and recognize the true power of the enemy we face. The enemy who desperately is trying to take God's image bearers and remake them in his own image. This is a terrible master. A terrible slave master. A master who can convince Americans it is perfectly moral to have sexual slavery in our country because pornography makes a lot of money. Or that it's perfectly moral to have slaves working in sweatshops to make our clothes and our phones. Or that it's perfectly fine, virtuous in fact, to murder unborn children if they get in the way of our freedom from righteousness. It is only when we truly recognize this vast empire of evil conquered and ruled by the prince of this world, that we will start to see why St. Paul uses an analogy like slavery to describe our dutiful lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He uses that term because we fallen humans don't know any other way to live. We don't know any other way to live. Every single person you know serves someone. From the most anti-patriarchal fourth-wave feminist to the alienated gamer, to the skater punk, to the Antifa stormtrooper, to the citronella carrying clansman, all the way down to that man who clings to his pillow for half an hour rather than come and hear and taste the word of God. All serve someone. And what evil's greatest weapon is is its ability to adapt to our lives and make evil seem normal. Think of the secretaries at Auschwitz were just filing papers, right? Clocking in every day, moving things around, answering mail. Does that make them innocent? We would of course say no. Right, But how then can we possibly claim innocence if we serve the same dark masters in our own culturally accepted ways? We are not also so blessed as to have the 101st Airborne show up and force us to see the evil we serve. St. Paul is doing that for us today. And so, we are told by Paul, blessedly, graciously, our every action answers the question, whom do we serve? Do we serve the Master who can only provide the rotting fruit of a dying world, or do we serve the Master who gives us not what we deserve, but what we don't even know how to ask for? Not what we deserve, but what we don't even know how to ask for. There lies our true position, and that is where our loving God meets us. As St. Paul writes, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Evil promises to pay us the fair wages our good and bad works deserve. Evil promises to meet us at the end of our lives as we are stripped of all of our possessions and loves and hobbies and accomplishments. Evil will be there with a smile and a check made out to death. If evil is the master we choose, we will be treated fairly. We will be left with nothing but the cruel master we served but could never save. We will be left with nothing but ourselves. Nothing but ourselves. If then we are, by our maimed and bloody natures, constrained to serve some master this side of the grave, let it be the master who has revealed his righteousness not as some abstract theory, not for a list of rules, not even as a reward for a job well done. Let us serve the master who broke himself against the same humanity that is breaking us. Let us serve the master who looked at the warring, selfish, spiteful tribes of men and said, I will save them. I will redeem them. I will show them how to love. Where do we even start? We begin by never again saying, I know best. We continue by recognizing that the only lasting part of our lives, the only thing which will matter when the last tears are shed over our graves, the only thing that matters is the free gift of eternal life, won for us by the God who looks down from his cross and says, follow me, follow me. It is only in the following of the Master who has bought us back from death that we begin to taste and sense the great freedom of his bloody exaltation. The Christian, made new in the baptism of Christ's blood, must say, again and again and again, must say, I am yours. Lead me where you will. Lead me into sadness and suffering. Lead me into pain and grief. Lead me into sacrifice and praise. Lead me into resurrection. Lead me to the new earth. Lead me into freedom. Lead me into forever. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you, even so do unto them. For this is the law and the prophets. Please join me in 519. 519. In the Book of Common Prayer, let us pray for the whole state of Christ Church, militant here on earth. Almighty and ever-living God, who by thy holy apostle has taught us to make prayers and supplications, and to give thanks for all men, we humbly beseech thee most mercifully to accept our alms and oblations, and to receive these our prayers which we offer unto thy divine Majesty, beseeching thee continually the universal Church with the spirit of truth, unity, and concord, and grant that all those who do confess thy holy name may agree in the truth of thy holy word and live in unity and godly love. We beseech thee also so to direct and dispose the hearts of all Christian rulers, that they may truly and impartially administer justice to the punishment of wickedness and vice and to the maintenance of thy true religion and virtue. Give grace, O Heavenly Father, to all bishops and pastors, especially Peter, our bishop ordinary, that they may both by their life and doctrine set forth thy true and lively word, and rightly and duly administer thy holy sacraments. And to all thy people give thy heavenly grace, and especially to this congregation here present, that with meek heart and due reverence they may hear and receive thy holy word, truly serving thee in holiness and righteousness all the days of their life. And we most humbly beseech thee of thy goodness, O Lord, to comfort and succor all those who in this transitory life are in trouble, sorrow, need, sickness, or any other adversity, especially those for whom our prayers are desired. And we also bless thy holy name. For all thy servants departed this life in thy faith and fear, beseeching thee to give us grace so to follow their good examples, that with them we may be partakers of thy heavenly kingdom. Grant this, O Father, for Jesus Christ's sake, our only mediator and advocate. Amen. The expectation is found on page 255. Dearly beloved in the Lord, he that might have come to the Holy Communion of the Body and Blood of our Savior Christ must consider how St. Paul exhorteth all persons diligently to prove and examine themselves before they presume to eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Whereas the benefit is great if with a true penitent heart and lively faith we receive that Holy Sacrament, And then we spiritually eat the flesh of Christ and drink his blood that we dwell in Christ and Christ in us. We are one with Christ and Christ with us. So it is the danger great if we receive the same unworldly. But then we are guilty of the body and blood of Christ our Savior. We eat and drink our own condemnation, kind of not considering the Lord's body. We kindle God's wrath against us. We provoke him to plague us with diverse diseases and sundry times of death. Judge them with yourselves, brethren, that ye be not judged by the Lord. Repent you truly for your sins past. Have a lively and steadfast faith in Christ our Saviour. Amend your lives and be in perfect charity with all men. So shall you be meek partakers of those holy mysteries. And above all things, ye must give most humble and hearty thanks he to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost for the redemption of the world by the death and passion of our Savior Christ, both God and man, who did humble himself even to the death upon the cross for us miserable sinners, who lay in darkness and the shadow of death, that he might make us the children of God and exalt us to everlasting life. And in the end, we should always remember the exceeding great love of our Master and only Savior, Jesus Christ, thus dying for us, and the inmurable benefits, which by his precious bloodshed he hath obtained for us, he hath instituted and ordained holy mysteries and pledges of his love, and voted into continual remembrance of his death to our great and endless comforts. To him, therefore, with the Father and the Holy Ghost, let us give, as in most founded, continual thanks, submitting ourselves wholly to Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all men, we acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed by thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty, provoking most justly thy wrath and indignation against us we do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings the remembrance of them is grievous unto us the burden of them is intolerable have mercy upon us have mercy upon us most merciful father for thy son our lord jesus christ's sake forgive us all that is past and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please thee in newness of life, to the honor and glory of thy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, through His great mercy and promised forgiveness of sins to all those who decline wanting repentance and true faith turn to heaven, have mercy upon him. Pardon him and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear but comfortable words, our Saviour Christ had, and of all who truly turn to Him." Come unto me, all that travail and are have laid, and I will refresh you. So God loved the Lord, that He gave His only begotten Son, To the end of all that believe we'll in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We also, the same Pauls. So this is a true say that where the all thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood. And that we may evermore dwell in Him, and He in us. Amen. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, who of Thy tender mercy didst give Thine only Son Jesus Christ to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption, who made them, by His one oblation of Himself once offered a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, oblation and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world and it institute, and in His holy gospel, command us to continue a perpetual memory of that His precious death until His coming again. Hear us, O merciful Father, we most humbly beseech Thee, and grant that we, receiving these thy creatures of bread and wine, according to Thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, holy institution, in remembrance of His death and passion, may be partakers of His most blessed body and blood, whom the same night that he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for thee, preserved thy body and soul for the lasting life. Blessed be the Almighty, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and be crowned with your holy spirit. May you keep this in remembrance that Christ died for thee. the merits and death of thy Son, Jesus Christ, and through faith in his blood, we and all thy whole church may obtain remission of our sins and all other benefits of his passion. And here we offer and present unto thee, O Lord, ourselves, our souls and bodies, to be a reasonable, holy, and lively sacrifice unto thee, humbly beseeching thee, that all we who are partakers of this holy communion may be fulfilled with thy grace and heavenly benediction. And although we are unworthy, through our manifold sins, to offer unto thee any sacrifice, yet we beseech thee to accept this our bounden duty and service, not weighing our merits, but pardoning our offenses. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, by whom and with whom, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, all honor and glory be unto thee, O Father Almighty, world without end. Amen. Glory to
2: 哇 oh